Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Good morning, and let me add the welcome that you've already received from Troy and from Sarah. And we're glad you're here on this crisp, warm Melbourne morning. Seems like a Melbourne morning, but it's been great. Great, beautiful days, um, crisp mornings, crisp evenings, but lovely. We're glad to hear and to be part of this. And we're looking at the third in our series on the Holy Spirit, um, God the Holy Spirit. And it'll probably be our last one of that. And as you know, each week we've been talking about this. I've been saying to people, if you want to come for a Q&A afterwards, we're going a quarter of an hour and the service is over. You can go and get coffee and the service is done. But if you want to stay for Q&A for a quarter of an hour, given that the Holy Spirit and the, the work of the Spirit in our lives is sometimes um, a little um, question, not questionable, but a little uncertain. It's probably an area of our life which we just want to ask more questions. So you're free to do that uh, today. But we're going to continue on this. Father, we want to thank you and praise you for the work of your Spirit. We pray that you would teach us truth today, reality, that we will know you and all your goodness and your mercy. Amen. It's uh, been a couple of weeks since we did number two, so let me just recap a little bit. Um, you know that I've used this diagram to, to help us understand the fact that we are people who are in three parts. We were created in the image of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're created in the image of God, which body, soul, and spirit, body, soul, and spirit for us. And, and when we make new, when we come to faith in Jesus, um, God renews our spirit. That's what becomes brand new. He invades us. He uh, engages with us in our spirit. And then the idea is that we're meant to live inside out now. We're meant to live from our spirit out rather than outside in with all just all the influences that are around us. That's what often helps us live our life. But we're meant to live inside out. So the Bible calls us to live by the spirit, to walk in the spirit, to sing in the spirit, to do all those things that come from God's spirit deep within us. And we've looked at over the last few weeks about some of the functioning that God does in our life. He he comes to confirm the fact that we are followers of Jesus. You know, God's spirit bears witness that our spirit, that you're a child of God, you know because you know. You know because God's spirit dwells within us. He comes to convince us of truth. He will take the words and, and quicken them to our hearts. He, he will take the scriptures and quicken them to us and then enliven us to live them out. That's the work of the spirit of God. It's not just that we read something and we go, oh, now we're informed. No, the Spirit of God takes the Word and quickens it to us and we become enlivened to, to live it out. He will, so he convinces us of truth. He will convict us of sin. Sometimes you'll just know, you'll just have a knowing that something was wrong, that I haven't lived as I should have lived, that I've done something that's contrary to the purposes and the will of God. And you just know that. He comes to bring that in our life. He comes to comfort us. You know, there are times of grief. There are times of loss. There are times in life where words won't do it. People can be as gracious and as loving as they can, and that's good to have and good to be, but words just don't do it. There's a comfort that has to come from the Spirit of God who dwells within us. He develops character in us, fruit. You know, love, joy, peace, etc. He develops fruit in our lives. And today we're going to look at an area of our life which is 
the area of the spirit, which is um, one that's got most consternation about it, one that's maybe most misunderstood and, and, and kind of uh, can be divisive if we allow it to. The Holy Spirit's never divisive, by the way. He's always unifying. His role is to take up and, and to facilitate the prayer of Jesus, the last prayer, of big prayer of Jesus for us, that they may be one. As Father, you and I are one. That's the work of the Spirit now to bring us one. So any division that's attributed to the Spirit is just wrong. It's just wrong. It doesn't happen. People do, but God doesn't. So today we're going to look at help us understand spiritual gifts. That's what we're going to do today and look at that and what the scripture says about that and how important that is. I think because it's unfortunately become a, a contentious area of life, of faith, of the work of the spirit. It's why we sometimes think that the spirit of God is, is kind of off to the side doing his thing and God and Jesus are doing their thing. Not true. We're going to look at those spiritual gifts. And there are a number of passages in Paul's letters where spiritual gifts are mentioned. And uh, I'll show you, just so, so you know, some of those, the main ones of those are in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians um, uh, 12, and also Ephesians 4, where it's mainly talking about the people who have those gifts. But then there's a few others as well, something in, some in 1 Peter, some in the book of Acts. But they're the main scriptures that talk about those gifts. And we're not even sure they're comprehensive. There may be other gifts that uh, aren't mentioned there, but they're gifts that the Spirit of God gives us. But they're the gifts mentioned in those three passages of scripture. Really important that we, uh, that we understand. And I'm going to read Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, part of that, which talks about these gifts and we'll look at some of the stuff in Romans um, a little later on. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, first 11 verses, now about the gifts of the Spirit, or your version might say now about spirituals. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another, uh, to, to another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we're all baptised by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We were all given the same Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Amazing passage of scripture where Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, hey, it's important that we understand um, that we all fit together. We all form a beautiful mosaic of the body of Christ. 
And the gifts that he gives us allow us to be part of that mosaic. There are some words there that in that first few verses Paul, Paul uses, words, a number of words which are crucial. He uses the word pneumatica, spirituals, things of the spirit. Now about things of the spirit. He uses the word charismata, which is about gifts. He uses the words um, diocono, diocono, which is ministries. He uses the word enogamata, which is about endowments or bursts of power. He uses the word phanerosis, which is manifestation. He puts them all together, and I'll explain to them in a minute how that all works together, but he puts them all together and, and says, well, God's, got, God's big, God's huge. He's got amazing capacities and amazing um, manifestations around the body of Christ for his purpose. But Paul wants to write to the Corinthian church to correct two problems that they had. He had a lot of problems in the Corinthian church, but when it comes to spiritual gifts, here were two. The first one is about source. He says to them they were pagans and they lived with nude idols, they had all sorts of gods, and so they, they've come from a supernatural base to another supernatural base. That's the issue they have. They're used to living in the supernatural world. They had all sorts of foreign gods and mysteries and all sorts of pagan worship and all sorts of demonic activity that was there. So the thing for the Corinthian church is that they had to work out which of the supernatural was God and which was not because they're so used to living in that world. Now they've come to faith. How do we discover that? And that's why he says no one who has... Um, He's got the Spirit of God dwelling in him. Now he's come to Christ can say, Jesus, be accursed. And people who check out of people saying, Jesus, Lord, it's not just words, but do they living out that Jesus, Lord? If that's the case, you'll know the source. You'll know the source by the stance they take. So he's, he's wanted to question, you come from a supernatural world to a supernatural world and... You've got to understand where the source is. It's that people say, Jesus, Lord, and live it out. And if anyone says, Jesus, be accursed, they can't be part of the, the body of Christ. But there's another problem that they face in Corinth, and it's this. Because in the supernatural world they're used to, every manifestation is caused by a different spirit. There's a spirit of this and a spirit of that and a spirit of something else. And now they come into this supernatural world of Jesus... And there's lots of different manifestations, but it's one spirit. There's not lots of spirits. There's one spirit now, the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. And so he's wanting to correct that issue as well. That's why he says in those first few verses um, with that. Now, why I say that is because the problem for the Corinthians is not our problem. Most of us don't come from a supernatural world to a supernatural world. Most of us come from a natural world to a supernatural world when we come to faith. And the, the trouble, the struggle for us sometimes, hang, hang on, now I believe in Jesus. It's, it's Jesus supernatural. Not in a weird sense, but in a God sense. We've come from a world where we're used to living on our own resources. We're used to doing things our way, we're used to being in charge of our life, we're used to doing it all our way, well to now is a place where we've come and surrendered our life to Jesus, whose spirit dwells within us 
and we now live a supernatural life, we've been invaded by the Spirit of God. That's the issue we have. The struggle we have is understanding that that's why we struggle sometimes with spiritual gifts because we don't come from a background of manifestations and stuff like that. We come from a, a very logical, rational place where we come now to God's place and God does. God is supernatural and he works in us in supernatural ways. So we need to understand that we come from that um, natural world, not so for the first century Corinthians. They come from one supernatural base to another supernatural base. So we need to understand what Paul is saying in all of that. And when you look at those words at the beginning, um, Michael Harper, who's a great evangelical missionary, wrote it this way, using those five, those five different words. He said this, Spiritual gifts are certain powers, enigmata, given to people by the Holy Spirit and freely bestowed and manifested through our natural faculties, our mind, mouth and our hands, in the service of others for their blessing and God's glory. So that's how those words can be used together. God has used that and he does what he does in us for his glory. And he uses those words to help us understand that. But the main word that's used for spiritual gifts is the word charismata. That's the main word. Two Greek words, charis meaning grace, mata meaning things. Things of grace. Spiritual gifts we've translated that as. It, they're, not, they're not merited. You don't own them. They're not natural talents. They may enhance natural talents. They may help natural talents. They may help you discover them, but they're not natural talents. They're spiritual endowments. Um, they can help you flush out. And one of the tragedies with that word, in my opinion, is that we've allowed certain sections of the body of Christ to use that word and other sections say we're not that word. We should all be living that word. We should all be in that place. But we've allowed some sections of the church to call themselves charismatic and then other sections, because we don't like that particular format or structure, we, we, we're not charismatic. And we, the whole church should be charismatic in the, in the actual definition of that word. The whole church should be living out things of grace. Like the whole church should be evangelical. Like the whole church should be reformed. It's whatever branch you... Now, we, we use the categories because it's our need for categories, but God has no need for categories. We don't need categories. We need categories because it helps us identify, but God doesn't need categories. So the trouble is we've allowed some great biblical words to be adopted by certain sections of the body of Christ, and because of that we have alienated them. We ought to be people who are discovering and living the things of grace, the spiritual gifts that God has given the church not to be fearful of them, not to be afraid of them, not to think they're weird and wonderful and wacky. They're things of grace. And we have to, got to be careful how we use that word and how we... It's not a certain church brand. We've got to stop that being a church brand. It's not helpful for us. But they're supernatural gifts. As I said, they're not natural talents. We can have a propensity for some things, but that doesn't mean they're spiritual gifts. 
people have a propensity to care, but there's a spiritual gift of mercy. It doesn't mean lots of people in this world, whether they know Jesus or not, have got a great propensity to care. But the spiritual gift of mercy does something in the body of Christ. So it's not, we all have propensities, but it's actually more than our propensities. And here, you can run a church on propensities. You can run a church on natural talents. But it's more than that. It's the endowment and the endowment of God for us. Um, and it's, that's what we need to look at. And we, can, we could look at different, in, in, in detail at those 20-odd gifts that I put up at the beginning. We haven't got time for that. But I want to look at a couple of them because some of those gifts are more contentious than others. When you look through those lists, some of those gifts are a bit more uncertain. We're uncertain about them. What do they mean? What are they about? And, and we, we are not sure about that. So I want to look at what the Scriptures say. It's important to look at what the Scriptures say. Um, in, in those spaces. So let me look at, I'm going to look at three of those just in briefly and again you want to ask any more questions about any of the others or those, you can feel free to do that afterwards. Um, the first one is healings and it's, the thing you need to know about healings is it's plural. It's the only one there are gifts of healing, not gift of healing, gifts of healing, um, the scriptures say. Um, you know, you look at Jesus for example and there were different ways he healed. He, he healed some people when he spoke a word. Other times he sort of initially semi-healed when he rubbed sort of some muddy salve on people's eyes and they were blind, but they got to see, but it was real foggy and fuzzy and he did it again and they really got to see clearly then. So there are different ways that that happens. Um, sometimes, he, he just, sometimes he just showed up, people got healed. So there are gifts of healing and, and it, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you don't see a doctor, it doesn't mean you don't take medicine or any of that stuff. It just means you don't only do that. It means you can trust God as well in that process of how God might want to do that. Um, it means you just... You, and, and in the scriptures, not everyone's healed. Some of Paul's closest friends have still got dilemmas and problems and are not healed up. But there is a spiritual gift or there's spiritual gifts of healing that we need to trust God for in that process. We need to be able to, to pray and trust in that, trusting God for, for healing. And, but then there are some people who have a particular um, gifting, particular, we ought to be, all be praying for that, for healing, but some people have a particular gifting, a particular anointing, we would call it, for healing, for, for some reason, God has given them that particular gifting and we need to understand that and that's not weird, it's just part of being the body of Christ. Healing is one of those. Speaking in tongues is one of those and um, it becomes one of the, the gift that's probably got the most contention about it. Um, what does it mean? seems to me when I read scripture, it's the ability to speak in a language which you haven't learned. It's the ability to do that. It's generally incomprehensible to the hearers and if it's done publicly, needs to be interpreted. But privately, it seems to be a prayer language, uttering mysteries of the spirit, which Paul talks about. You can utter mysteries of the spirit to God. It's directed towards God. It's not a sign of being baptised in the spirit. 
That I believe that happens when you're converted. But it may be a gift God gives you uh, at a certain time and a place to do that. And like other gifts, not everyone has that gift, the scripture says. So don't get freaked out by that gift called tongues, glossolalia. Glossal meaning tongue, lalia meaning speak. It's part of the Spirit's work in the life of the church, in the life of people. That's what it means. The third one I just want to talk about is miracles. Because that list mentioned miracles and some people have the capacity to trust God for more miraculous things than others. It just is the way it is. I don't understand how that works. Um, some people um, just are able to trust God in more miraculous ways. John, Jesus said in John's Gospel, he promised believers that they would do greater works than he did. Now, is that quantity? Is that quality? doesn't say. You can have greater works than me in that space. Um, the church faced with, with, with persecution asked God to give boldness to heal and to do mighty works. The church asked for that to happen. And those, the trouble is those who often get the greatest attention are, 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 and negativity are in that space. Often happens. The Bible speaks about them in sport more in some more detail than others. There need to be some checks in the functioning of the work of the Spirit of God. You need to ask questions when you see or experience spiritual gifts happening. Does the exercise glorify Jesus? Does the exercise of a gift glorify Jesus? Does it edify the body of Christ? Does it do that? Is it in accordance with the written word of God? doesn't mean the written word of God speaks it exactly, but is it in accordance? Does it conflict? You've got to ask the question, is it exercised in a spirit of love? Talk about that in a bit more in a minute. Is the person who's got a exercising a gift willing for that gift to be weighed, to be weighed up by the church? Is the important person willing to do that? They're important checks because... You need to understand your lens. Your, our traditions, all of us have got church traditions, biblical traditions. Every tradition um, will sometimes highlight some gifts above others and de-emphasise other gifts as well. And we, might, we do that. Um, some think key gifts are preaching, teaching and leadership. And, and those weird gifts are unimportant or should be discarded. Others think those weird gifts are the be-all and end-all and don't worry about anything else. They forget what Paul goes on to say. He says this, the foot shouldn't say because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. And the ear shouldn't say to the eye, you know, you're more important. And the eye shouldn't say to the hand, I've got no need of you. We, we need to be really careful in the church. We're not saying you don't have any, there's no place for expression of that gift. Some are more important than others. Members, all the members of the body are important. God gifts them in different ways to be important in the body of Christ. And the final thing to say is this. Spiritual gifts always need to be expressed in an atmosphere of love. An atmosphere of love. 
Corinthian and the Roman letters where Paul talks about them particularly. The Corinthian and Roman letters, um, after the significant scripture on gifts comes passages on the glue that holds gifts together in the body of Christ. And that glue is love, agape love. Paul says to the Roman church, love, after he's talked about all, put the list of gifts together, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. You see, what you must avoid in the body of Christ is the haves and the have-nots. The superior and the inferior. The better gift, the worst gift. You've got to avoid that in the body of Christ. Love must be sincere. It follows all the teaching on on gifts. Paul says to the Corinthian church, right in the middle, Corinthians 13 between 12 and 14. Now, when Paul wrote, he didn't didn't write 1 Corinthians 12 and then 13 and 14. He just wrote Corinthians. We've put the numbers in. But right in the middle of talking about gifts, he talks about love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but of not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so that I would remove mountains, but of not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind, does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know a part and we prophesy a part in part, but when, but that, when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. For I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. You see, there'll be a time we don't need spiritual gifts. Paul says when the time when the perfect has come, when it's face to face. The only thing perfect is Jesus, by the way. And, and when the perfect has come. And when you go to meet Jesus or he comes to meet you, whatever's first, you won't need spiritual gifts. You'll be, you'll be living in pure communion with God. But now he says we only understand in part. We look through a mirror darkly now. And we need as the body of Christ the resources and the empowering of God's spirit in us to live effectively and well. And part of that is the exercise of gifts now, and uh, which we won't need in, in eternity, but we do now. We need to have that and understand that. But it must be a spirit of love and grace. Um, otherwise, you breed suspicion. Otherwise, you breed superiority and inferiority, haves and have-nots. That's what happens. So... 
we've really just touched, and all we can is just touch on the work of the Spirit of God in terms of spiritual gifts today. And uh, we need to understand, we've only just talked about three of them, there's 20 of them we could all talk about. They're all important. Just maybe talked about those that have got the most um, confusion maybe about them or consternation about them in the body of Christ. We need to understand that. But Paul finishes after he's talked in, in, uh, about the gifts in, in chapter 12 and love in chapter 13. He just simply says in chapter 14, the beginning, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. You know, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Don't avoid them. Don't be scared. Don't be frightened. Don't be fearful. Don't um, be too distinguishing. Don't be too tribal about them. They are for the body of Christ to honour Jesus and to edify the body. That's what they're for. If they don't do that, no. But if they do that, yes. That's the importance of spiritual gifts. Now we're going to have time. If you want to ask some questions or whatever afterwards, feel free to do that. And we're going to have quarter, a normal quarter of an hour time. That's it. Cut off at 15 minutes after the service when it's over just to, if you want to talk any more about that, I've got any questions about that because it is a contentious issue. We've got to understand that. It is an issue that's not easily understood in some spheres, so we need to do that. Let me pray. Father God, we want to thank you and praise you for who you are. We want to thank you that you're the great God of creation. That, Lord, you have chosen to give us your son who now sits with you at your right hand. And you've chosen to give us your spirit who now dwells with us deep within. Father, we thank you for the work of your spirit in comfort, in truth, in confirmation, in empowerment and in living with gifts that make a difference. Father, would you work in us? Would you lead us to yourself? Would you take away fear or uncertainty or worry? And can we trust you in Jesus' name? Amen.